Welcome to the DGR Podcast. I'm your host, David Gray. Hello everyone, David here. Welcome back to the DGR Podcast. I hope you're all doing well. This is episode number 59, I think. I'm just going to do a solo podcast today. I'm going to talk all about Achilles, uh, Achilles tendon rehab or Achilles tendinopathy rehab because I just did, um, I'm just really, I just released a program for Achilles tendinopathy and I am going to just talk about, so basically in, uh, upon releasing a program, as anyone knows who has ever released a program or written a program for a client, it kind of, you have to sit down and think about the process and things like that. And I've kind of, come up with six key points i think that's really important for achilles rehab now the program is achilles tendon rehab but i also have like it's foot and achilles rehab so i i treat it i treat it the same way obviously with a tendonopathy you can do things a little bit differently but i'll explain why kind of i treat if it was a plantar fasciitis or fasciopathy or plantar heel pain whatever they're calling it or a sesamoid issue or just kind of even like ankle issues, Achilles, uh, calf. To be honest, I'm treating them all very, very similarly. So I'm calling it a foot and Achilles rehab program. And that's what it is. And you're going to need to take off all the same things, in my opinion, anyway. So uh, that's what I'm calling it. And these are the key points, I think, that really came out of sitting down and trying to write out my pro- process. It's it's fine working with a, a client one-to-one and like, I kind of know what I'm going to do with them or I have a good idea and I'm I'm thinking about, okay, when they did this, we need to do the next thing, we need to do the next thing. But when you actually sit down and write it out um, and need to make it usable and you need to make it very clear and cons- not concise, but very clear, pretty concise, um, then you have to just be more clear in your own mind than what you're trying to do. So here's the Here's the six key points, because I think most people think of Achilles rehab as this. Do calf raises, do more calf raises. Then you might do some more calf raises and now go and try now and now try and go for a run. So like it's certainly not that. And that's why that and that that does work for some people who are weak and who have never done anything before. But the people who so many people, so, so, so many athletes live with Achilles issues for their five years, for 10 years, for the rest of their career. It derails their career and not just athletes, anyone, anyone who wants to be active, they they live with this stuff. I'm not talking about someone who's like 70 years old and they just want to maybe go for a little walk. Like just give them some calf raises and they'll probably feel better. This is for people who actually need to have a high level of function and they've tried a couple of calf raises and that doesn't work. So that's what I'm talking about here. It's not that the calf raises just, it's it's not that they're like, it's it's just bullshit. Of course not. But like people just do calf raises and think, oh, I, I, I have failed Achilles rehab. It doesn't work for me. Of course it doesn't. It, you, you don't have weak calves in the first place a lot of the time. So here's some, here's some points. So, Number one, I think, and is there an order? Yeah, there is an order to these, I think, um, ish, ish, except for the last one. So uh, so the first one, I think, is sensory. So I think this is what people miss. So if you look at someone with Achilles or foot issues, like especially, actually with any issue, let's say, the area where they feel pain 
is the only the, the only sensation that they can describe in that area is pain. They can't really feel anything else. So you could see someone someone's foot, let's say they have Achilles issues. You could see someone's foot and like their foot is a mess. Their toes are like scrunched, they're gripping, they're not allowing any movement into the bones or into the joints. Like the tissues aren't getting loaded there, but like they can't describe any of that. They can just describe, I, I'm sore in this spot all of the time, or here's the times that I'm sore in this spot. They can't describe anything else. So what we're going to try and do early on is basically just try and flood someone's brain with sensory information that they have been dis- deprived of for so long. So we are going to choose I, I don't I'm even hesitant to say the word exercises, but we're going to choose movements with taking away the strength aspect of it. It might be a strength and exercise. It might not be. But what we're going to choose is movements that flood someone's someone's brain with as much sensory information as we can. And it's sensory information that they have been deprived of. And I'm going to use my words and I'm going to direct the intention of the exercise in a way that gets them to focus on these on these different sensations. So now they actually learn different sensations that can come back from the from their foot, from the floor, from the bones moving, from the tissue loading, because we know how much sensory information we can get from our feet, but these people will only describe pain. And let's give them a chance to feel some other things. So I think that's a massive one. So sensory starts, it starts there. And and these are all like, the, all these points are interchanged with each other, but if we can give that back early on, you're going to have much better wins. Even if you still, I just do calf raises with my clients, help them understand the difference between different parts of their foot, help them, help them sense different aspects of their foot, help them understand how pressure can change in their foot. Even if you want to do that just during calf raises, you will get a much better result and they will get a much better connection with the muscles that you're trying to work. So I like to start here rather than just throwing them into exercises where they, okay, I'm just able to burn out one particular part of the muscle, but I'm probably missing out so much other nice aspects because I just don't have a good sense of what's going on down there. Okay. So sensory massively Number one, understand what it feels like when pressure shifts part through different parts of the foot. Understand what it feels like when you have a negative shin angle, when you have a positive shin angle, when you're transitioning from negative to positive. Uh, why do you feel always feel the need to grip your toes down there? Can you feel how early your heel wants to lift off the floor? Can you actually sense the way traveling from posterior lateral in your calcaneus to anterior medial can you feel your midfoot unlocking the answer to all these questions is no they can't but as they do these movements as you ask them them questions it's not a it's not a actually no it is a leading question you should be careful with your leading questions in rehab or in training like oh like people will always do like parlor tricks where it's like oh can you feel that can you feel how that's and like we don't want to be leading people we want to get a correct answer but these are leading questions i'm saying can you can you feel how can you feel how the weight is in your heel there can you feel how it's actually moving into your midfoot now so that is forcing them to focus on that and say, 
like even that question is giving them the sensory information that they need because it 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 focuses their attention on that area and now they can sense it. Okay. So we are looking for leading questions in that regard. The sensory aspect, we're not being anal with it. Like we're not trying to map out the exact oh here here is where you stand and here is you don't you don't have ever have any pressure here. And we're not no, we're not getting anal like that. Uh we're trying to we're we're trying to just get them to sense different parts of their foot and understand that and then sense where like we have a lot of we we actually have can you feel how maybe it's really it's really hard for you to get into that part of your foot or how every single time we do that that movement your toes grip you lose your heel you when you try and do anything you you try and pull with your you lose the outside of your foot these little things that's what we're trying to look for so sensory is number one i think it's massive and that could apply to pretty much any part of the body but particularly the feet maybe the hands as well but particularly the feet so sensory by far I won't say the most important, but like if you've been doing a lot of other things, then you're this is probably the thing that you've been you've been missing out on. So number two, which very much goes along with this is restore foot function before you go crazy on calf raises and seeing how much you can lift restore foot function. And what that means, again, is like if someone has had pain or their Achilles has been their foot has been locked up, their Achilles is sore. Again, you will see a foot that is quite locked up. And I don't mean that's a, a supinated foot. That could be a pronated foot. But the, like they will. And that goes again, goes for any part of the body. If you have a sore knee, you're not going to want to bend your knee so much. I had a client in uh, with me the other day and um I, I know I know the client pretty well. We we're actually talking about a bit of jujitsu. He's giving me some advice afterwards, but he does get like an onset of plantar fasciitis or whatever you want to call it uh, every now and then, particularly I think when work gets stressful and we've given him some strategies and he went from being able to walk maybe like a thousand steps a day to he went to New York and he was doing like 20,000 steps a day, things like this. So he's like gotten a very high, back to a very high level, but the odd time it flares up again and when i actually asked him to show me a walk him walking around even though it wasn't particularly sore like he was walking around without bending his knees and it's it like kind of that shuffling with a penguin uh, like a penguin and that's just what you'll see you'll see because why would a brain or a body that is very sore underneath the front part front and inside part of their heel if i bend my knee i'm going to load that area so why would i want to i'm going to keep my knee straight and kind of shuffle from side to side rather than committing all my weight to to one leg and that goes for a lot of a, a lot of um yeah anything down there the foot anything achilles anything knee we need to restore foot function because and again, I'm not saying it's it's this is a supinated or pronated foot. It doesn't matter the shape. It's that they probably don't know how to load well through all different parts of the foot. They've lost some ability to do that. So restore foot function, I think, is massive. Get the foot moving. It does it does rely on number one, the sensory aspect. But I'm I'm not. I am separating them for a reason because with the sensory aspect, I'm more focusing on like helping them understand what they feel and bringing their awareness to their feet, helping them understand like, no, there's more sensation you can get than just pain down here. And then the second part is like, okay, when we understand that now I'm going to chase more movement in the foot so that my intention shifts from, it's just a more of a sensory thing to it's more of a sensory thing. Yes, definitely. 
plus the mobility now i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure that they're actually getting the movement whereas in the first part i don't mind if they're getting the movement as much as they can actually describe some of the sensations that they're getting third part integration i think um in terms of like learning how to push through the foot so i've spoken on this podcast before about and, and on our member side about how internal rotation is a downforce how we push through the floor is from a more pronated position it's from our midfoot it's uh from more hip internal rotation this is how we push through the floor it's not that we don't push in toe off like as we're externally rotating our and and, and like externally rotating our, our our shin and supinating off as we go to push off the that end phase but the most amount of our push as we need to overcome the ground the most push comes from a more pronated state more around that mid stance and just slightly off after mid stance in that max propulsive position not the very end of of the gate cycle the max propulsive position comes where we're, our heel has maybe just broken from the floor and we're in a more pronated state. So we need to teach people how to do this again from this more internally rotated pronated position. Again, that doesn't mean outside of the foot falling off the floor or anything like that. Uh, that's a misconception. So we need to teach people how to push from there. And if they can't learn to push from there, I really think you're going to struggle to get someone's Achilles and foot feeling really good um, because if they can't push down through the floor using their pronation and their internal rotation, a lot of people are just going to keep extending their back because when I go into back extension and, and this is getting a little complex, but hopefully you can follow me. Like when I get into more and more back extension, that pushes me forward on my foot and my foot starts to drive down into the floor kind of without me needing to. So back extension is a substitute for for not being able to push kind of down through my midfoot but when i keep driving my center of mass forward like that it, it, we actually lose mobility and we lose movement and we lose movement options because i'm racing forward in the foot so like i said in the first part these people are gripping through the toes all of the time a lot of these people have no choice because they're actually their center of mass is actually pushing them forward so quickly on their foot um so so they have no they, they have no choice and even if you stood up like you stand there you just stand in a nice relaxed position and then if you do a big anterior tilt push your ribs up to the sky you'll feel your back extend you'll feel your weight push forward on your feet and as soon as you feel your weight push forward on your feet you'll actually feel your feet and your toes smush down and push down into the floor so that push is starting to happen to hold you up and that's what these people are doing they're so so they're starting almost in a positive shin angle their achilles is getting stretched their foot is going to lock up because their feet are their toes are are smushing down into the floor all of the time so they're skipping their midfoot in every single step they're not getting a pronation they're not getting that calcaneus to move on the floor and like it's hard for me to describe how much of a big deal that is for someone that has foot and achilles issues um but like it's not hard to like i have clients who aren't they don't know what a calcaneus is they're not coaches they're not therapists they have a heel bone right they have a heel bone the achilles they know what that is and like it's not hard for them to understand it once we go through a couple of drills they're like ah like that makes a lot of sense now i can feel what you're describing so it's hard for it's hard for someone to to it's hard for me to describe it over a podcast and try and emphasize how important this is because it's not emphasized elsewhere a lot of the time. So center of mass is really important and the integration of, okay, now that we know where your midfoot is, 
we know where your heel is, which is the sensory part, number one. Number two, now that we actually have the ability to move some of the bones and get you there, then number three is we're going to teach you how to push in that position. We really need to teach you how to push down through the floor in a more pronated state, in a more internally rotated state, so that you don't always need to go into a ton of extension to try and get yourself to push through the floor. Okay. So that's the third part, that integration. And that kind of, I think about integration and that pushing as energy, energy transfer as well. I'm learning how to overcome the floor, um, overcome gravity so that, uh, and, and that's like, I can start to get my hip extensors working. My, my hips can push me forward. Uh, I can use my knee extensors. Then, then I can use my ankle extensors. So this kind of proximal to distal sequencing that the, the glutes now start to kick in, all these things kick in because I'm able to drive my foot through the floor in a much better way, rather than just kind of falling forward into a big extension. So that's the third part. The fourth part, um, build strength. So when you are going after your strengthening exercises and we're building strength all the way through, like even in the sensory part, there'll be some, we'll be building strength. Don't worry about that. In the second part, restoring foot function, we're building strength. These things are building strength in a much more surprising way than you might think. Um, the third part, the integration, learning how to push, we're definitely building strength. You'll feel your soleus on fire if you've done the first two parts well. Um, another part of sensory is actually understanding how to build a connection with the soleus. It's really, really important. Um, and not just like a little bit of the soleus, like boom, that's that part of my muscle is on. So, um, then we're going to build strength. So I think the mistake that certainly a lot of good athletes that I, that I work with make is they do their calf raises and they start to feel a bit better when they do their calf raises because there is an analgesic effect with tendon issues, right? Where I start to warm up and they start to feel better. And I've made this mistake with my knee in the past as well, my patellar tendon. And like everyone makes this mistake. It's an understandable mistake. And it is, okay, I understand that when I work the muscle, my, my Achilles or my tendon feels better. So I'm going to do some calf raises. I'm going to work that muscle and it's going to feel better. And that's going to give me a window or whatever to train. So you fall into the trap of using your calf raises to generate this analgesic effect. So I know I'm pain-free after doing my calf raises and I associate my calf raises with the thing that's making me pain-free. But actually, they're not really the thing. You could do any type of a warm-up and you would probably start to feel pain free. That analgesic effect is going to kick in for a lot of people. Now, at so, some people, they get to the stage where that doesn't really happen anymore. Uh, that certainly happened with my patellar tendon where I didn't really, that didn't happen anymore because it was it just got so bad. But it happened to some degree still. So the point I'm trying to make with this one is you can't fall into the trap of using exercises like that to drive the analgesic effect. I don't mind if you do that, but you need to keep them exercises if you're doing them as strengthening exercises. So I'm actually trying to get stronger over time at them. And the thing I say to clients with particularly like chronic tendon tendinopathies is if in if in a month's time, if you choose a leg extension, and you say to me like the, oh, and this is an example of a client. It actually is. I did a post on it before, but if you say to me like, okay, my tendon is so sore that I can only do the first rung of the leg extension, the first weight on the machine. Um, and I, I say, that's fine. No problem. But 
so let's start there. But in a month's time, if we have done that, if we're still on that first rung of the machine, that first uh, stack, first stack on the machine, that first weight, then you, we have failed there, right? Because it's great. You might feel better doing that all the time, but you're, you haven't increased the load. You're not getting any stronger. So we have to, and, and that's that's kind of an extreme exam, example, the first rung, but yet some people, a lot of people actually will get to the point where they can do three sets of 10 calf raises on a single leg holding 12 kilos in their hand. And six months later, they'll still be doing three sets of 10 calf raises holding t- 12 kilos in their hand. So they haven't actually, and, and they keep feeling the analgesic effect and they keep using it, but they fall into the trap. So if you are doing your calf raises, you have to, you have to continue to chase strength. So I would say do way less calf raises and, uh, than most people are already doing and just, and chase us, chase strength in them push yourself push yourself to fatigue in those exercises but we don't start with those exercises we don't start with calf raises uh we don't in this program we don't do them until phase three there's there's four phases we don't even do them until phase three and i expect probably like at least 50 60 maybe 75 percent of the people to by phase two is over to be feeling like 80 90 percent pain-free to be honest uh big it's a big claim I don't, I don't mean to make a claim, like I'm not trying to make a claim, but I just expect a lot of people to realize, yeah, actually the sensory stuff and restoring foot function, like change my Achilles issues more than like the last 10 years of calf raises. So that is, that is going to happen because that happens with all my clients. So, um, no, there, there is obviously some people who that won't happen with, but that's why we have a full program, not just the first two. So when you're building, so point four, when you're, when you're doing your calf raises, do them to build strength. I mean, loaded ones like do them. You don't fall into the trap of just chasing the analgesic effect. Okay. Fifth one, plyometrics. So um, we say we simply just need to do our plyos. We have to do our plyos. We we have to, we don't have to like, we don't have to start small. We, we depending on where you are, like some people will have to start very small with them. Um but we have but everyone has to do their plyos you have to do them well you have to chase two things in it um you have to not chase two things but you have to use two key markers which is one is pain so we're going to judge the pain on how you feel the next morning um so that that's a key marker that we're going to use to judge how fast we can progress through these things these things i just uh, got a lisp there um and the second one is form how you actually do them don't you can't come to me and say like okay i did my pogos and i did them and then i went back to sport and my achilles didn't feel good again and like two two two, i would have two points there like pogos did you not progress past pogo exercises was it a double leg pogo and how did the pogo look because you can go through my page, you can go through anyone's page, you could go to Matt's page, you could go to like a- anyone who's doing plyometrics. There's there's so many brilliant sources around or people, just athletes that you could look at. And you could say, does my pogo look like uh sprinter's pogo if they're doing a pogo? The answer is going to be no. And of course it's not. Like, why should it? it we haven't 
they, they've been doing that for years. They are some of the springiest athletes in the world. But when you did your pogos, you did the same thing as the last as the last point, which was you just got to a point like the analgesic effect and you kept it at that point. You didn't try to continually improve and we need to continually improve. So our form and I, by form, I don't just mean like how it looks. I mean, like how high you're going and things like that. We have to how well you're striking the floor, how well you're pretensioning. There has to be a lot of intention with how we do them. So everyone needs to do their plyos. Some people in this program won't be able to because they will be in season and they might not feel like they're able to, but the other things will look after them in that case. Uh, but I put in a six, I, I kind of put in a six stage plyometric uh, workout or program, I should say, into the final phase of the program and it starts small and each workout we kind of build it up and it's it goes it, it is not just pogos but even if it was just pogos which would be fine they have to be done well you have to you have to actually learn how to how to attack the ground a little bit how to pretension how to be springy what part of the foot we want your con- you contacting um all of these things so like we can't just say i I tried some pogos and went back running and didn't work no show me them let me see what you've been working on and let's see if we can improve this let's let's take our mentality like we would with our with our sport if you were trying to practice free throws in in basketball would you just would you just accept from someone like oh i i tried 20 free throws and like that's it no, just like I wouldn't say, oh, I just did 20 pogos and um, yep, yeah, it, it was great. Like, no, show me them. How many did you get in? What did they look like? I had a client down today who I've been working with for over a year, Ben. Um, he, he had shin splints when we first started. We rehabbed him. We did tons of plyos and um, he got back. He played a full season. He said his most successful season ever. Um, they played extra time in the county final. Like he got through the full game, extra time in the county final, was still flying at the, at the end of the game. I watched it and um, he's he's done all his pogo, or, sorry, all his, don't get me wrong, all his plyos in all of his off season. And now he came back down and now we're working on... Um, we're work, we're working on more plyometrics. So while a lot of his teammates are in the gym doing a lot of squats and all this stuff, he's doing plyometrics. He's he's doing some strength, but he's doing plyometrics in his off season because his weak point there is his his shins. He needs to stay conditioned, and we haven't just accepted that's that's twelve months of plyometrics he's been doing with me now, and we're still pushing him forward. And we're still some of the exercises that we're doing, the, some of the plyometric exercises are still the same ones as we did twelve. Well, not twelve months ago because we had to start really slow. But once he kind of got back into being able to uh, run and stuff, like the plyos that we're doing are still some of the same ones, albeit I've brought in some higher intensity ones now. But there's still some of the same ones that we did back then. But the difference that I could see in him today versus 12 months ago, and I hadn't seen him in a little while because he he don't he did he lives like three and a half hours from me, so he only comes down once every now and again. And like the difference today that I saw him just in a double leg pogo, and I said this to him, I was sitting down, I said, "You are a completely different athlete than the one I saw 12 months ago. Transformed, completely transformed. He looks different. How he attacks the ground is different. How he bounces off the ground is different. Um, his muscle mass, he has more muscle mass. His the way he moves his body, his hip mobility, all these things. It's he's just different, a different person. And the intention behind a lot of his training was like 
you need to keep doing this and you need to get better at doing this. Okay. So that's what I think with the, with the plyos, especially in like Achilles rehab, knee rehab, they just do, people just do it to tick a box. Okay. You've done some pogos now go back running. No, firstly, the point is pogos aren't good enough. You need to do more. Um, just an up and down poker or a forward poker. It's just not good enough. And then if you ask people to show me how you're doing it, the strategies they choose, they, they, there, there's no intention behind it. So we have to do that well. And then the last one is education. So point six uh, is just education. So I think a really important part of a program like this is understanding. Like, so like, when should I progress? Uh, should I progress? What if I found some exercises that actually make me just these exercises when I do them, I'm pain free. And I don't just mean analgesic effect. I mean, like my pain is gone. Should I keep going? Um, how do I judge like how much pain I should train through? Um, understanding some tendon stuff, understanding recovery, understanding that maybe we don't want to do plyos two days in a row. Maybe we need 20, 48 hours or even even three days in between our plyometrics. I know at one stage I needed at least three days before I, between training sessions when my knee and actually when my Achilles got really bad, that was definitely needed three days in between. So I think education, just like with any, with any, uh, with any person we're working with, regardless of the injury or even just a goal, if the goal is weight loss, we have to educate people. So that's, that's uh, so all the others are kind of in order and education probably actually should be number one. So the points are sensory, restore foot function. And these could be named differently, obviously, but <laughs> just scribbled them down before I started. But sensory, restore foot function, integration. That's like learn how to push, uh, learn where your midfoot is, learn how to push and what that means for everything proximal of that. Uh, build strength, um, your plyos. Uh, 0.5 is just plyos and then i just went on a rant <laughs> about that so apologies there and then 0.6 which could probably be 0.1 is education so i hope that all uh kind of makes sense um i hope it's valuable um i'm doing this i'm doing this podcast obviously i want you to go and buy the program i would love if you went and bought it it's the it's the phases there's four phases in it um and all those six points are kind of throughout so um Phase four gets into the plyometrics. Phase three is more kind of strength and energy transfer. Phase two is foot strength and learning to push. Phase one is the sensory, the foot function and building a connection with the soleus as well, especially. So those are the four phases. Those are the things that I think about it. How, how I think about rehabbing someone with plantar fasciitis or heel pain, uh, sesamoid issues. And you'll see examples of me working with different clients who have these different issues. And um, that's... That's uh, like you'll see the videos of me doing these things with them um, and and then Achilles as well. So and maybe Shin as well, to be honest, probably Shin splints as well. Ben would have done all of these exercises uh, in the same in the same order. So those are the things. And um, I'm going to put a link down below if you want to if you want to jump on. If you're if you're listening to this in the first uh, while the program has just been released, then there's an early bird offer. But if you're not, if you're listening to this sometime in the future, I, encourage, I strongly encourage you to to get it. I put a lot of work into this and I think it's going to help a lot of people. And I think it's going to be a big thing in how people approach Achilles rehab going forward. So um, uh, around the world. So and I, I don't mean that like there's lots of brilliant people out there doing Achilles rehab. So don't get me wrong. I just think 
it it is going to change the way people look at things. I think, and so, the way some people look at things, and a lot of people look at things. So, uh, so yeah, I hope you. Uh, I really hope you like the program. It'll be the first link in the bio. Please give it a share for me if you can, or maybe share this podcast if you can. And uh, I can't wait to hear hear all your results for yourself or with your clients as well. So, if you have any questions, just shout. And um, yeah, hope you enjoyed the podcast. And I will talk to you guys next week.